0: Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the Roman's Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. Yes, in case you did not notice, the catchphrase is actually back, per popular demand, and it's here to stay. But before we go any in further into that, I do have to welcome my co-host, who held it down for me while I was gone last week. One of my rare absences, guys, it, it, it did suck not being there, especially having a guest like Nico on the show. Um, but for those of you that didn't hear it, um, we did have Nico Cantor, who is also the host of the uh Golasso show on uh CBS. Um he was on our show last week and he spoke briefly to uh Salman Andres um and gave us insight into a little bit of what he does and um
1: Really fun conversation a, by the way. He was
0: a he was a cool dude, man. I listened to the episode um not the next day, but the day after it dropped, and um I, I, I had a blast listening to him. It, he was way too excited to be on a podcast of our size, which I really appreciated. He was really giving, us too, much, he about was giving
1: us too much credit, too.
0: Yeah, he was. He was like, I, I almost felt like, in a way, we like we didn't deserve him. Like, like we don't deserve. <laughs> I don't think we do, but all right, relax. But anyways, um, I I, I want to introduce you guys first, and then we could kind of talk about it. But Andres, um, I'll start with you, man, um. I know you do have some announcements about our Insta page and uh, some updates, so why don't you have at it?
2: Yeah, guys, our Instagram page is back from the dead. We decided that we're going to try to get a little bit more engagement with all of you listeners, not just through Twitter, but Instagram as well. So look out for our page to be posting a little bit more frequently. Um, The boys and I are going to be doing a little bit of match day story posts, our reactions to the starting 11, maybe our halftime thoughts and you know, maybe even some live reactions to something crazy happening to the game. It just depends on who's recording that. Well, yeah,
1: we're not. Are we going to do fleets of those as well, or just stories?
2: I don't know. We'll, we'll, have to, <laughs> we'll, we'll drop a. We'll drop a poll. We'll drop a poll on the on the Twitter page to see no, what everyone wants to. Do I was just. just
1: joking. I just wanted to like mention the word fleet on this podcast because it's the most ridiculous name ever. But hey, well, well, we'll for those
2: game that call didn't it stories. Check. For
0: everyone that didn't check our Instagram story this week, you guys actually missed out. Um, Andres did the whole thing exclusively live in his PJs, which was uh, <laughs> quite quite the treat for us.
2: Um, <laughs> Listen, when when the match is the early match, sometimes you early do match what you my got ass
0: to. my ass. It was 6:30 for you. What I'm time safe? was it for us? 4:30.
2: How come I was the one recording then? It was 4:30 you could have been in Dude, your that's early and listen i was i was
1: I... in my pjs in my bed asleep so i'll give you Guys, i'll give you credit for that andres
0: <laughs> i sleep thank I, you i only sleep in my boxes so I, okay. I i can't do it in my pjs otherwise it'll be a very
1: yeah, rated good. m it'll, it'll get rated m very quickly good thing you weren't recording then. yeah
2: <laughs> no but but apart from that uh we want to be a little bit more structured into our posting schedule so I guess I'll just go ahead and, and drop that real quick. So we'll be recording every Sunday night a longer episode, and we're trying our best to do a quick, shorter match reaction to any midweek match, whether it's Champions League, FA Cup, Premier League match in midweek, or well, we're not in the Care about Cup anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll get mid-week. one this week. Yeah, so this week we'll have two podcasts dropping. We'll have the longer one today, and then we'll have our Ren match review midway through the week for you guys to to get some quick quick fire reactions from us regarding the matches so hope you guys enjoy that change as well that podcast is gonna be a doozy
0: anytime we preview spurs you guys have to listen oh yeah we're gonna preview spurs there then too i think it's i think it's i think it's pretty uh it's pretty obvious how much we hate Spurs. I, I love previewing Spurs and I love reviewing Spurs when we win.
2: Those are those are my favorite shows to record. Love the caveat you threw in there. It's just when <laughs> we win.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not fun when you go to the game, huh, Zach? When we win. Well, the only time I went to the fucking game, we lost. <laughs> hey, but a, qu- a quick like story about that match. I was watching Sunday night football tonight, and they had a promo for the for the match. And it's uh, Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels uh, as the commentators, and they were cracking jokes about about soccer pretty much during the fucking broadcast. And I was so heartbroken because I love Chris Collinsworth, and they were like just reading from the script and like you know they're like Christian Pulisic and Chelsea take on Harry Kane of the Tottenham Spurs, and like they're like laughing because he didn't he didn't he couldn't add any commentary to it, but. (laughs) that I I promise yeah. you our preview will be better than that one
0: if anyone who watched heard that as well for your american yeah. listeners <laughs> well Sam, i mean, I, I know uh-huh. you had quite an eventful weekend so so how are you doing
1: good uh i mean i don't what was what was my eventful weekend i don't
0: i don't i mean know i mean your <laughs> your your non chelsea sports uh took a hit this weekend <laughs> Why are we talking about that, bro? What? Well, well, I, I'm just asking how you're doing. Hit below the bell. You were the one. You were the one that asked, like, about what? Oh, okay. just, Yeah, I, I just asked how you were
1: doing. You didn't have to ask. Corey. I'm fine. I'm I'm totally fine. I'm like actually very happy with what happened. So congratulations. Uh, this is talking about his Lakers signing my Montrezl Harrell. I like how you say mine, but
0: No, people, I was also no being one cares. sympathetic towards the whole Joe Burrow thing too. Oh on. that yeah, that sucks too.
1: Okay, cool, yeah, yeah had a I great week. That. But I'm yeah, um, I I mean, saying hit below the, the belt, I'm yeah. There, <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, and that too, but I mean that that and that that was the first sports weekend post international break. I mean that you know, like uh, we had this th- yeah, actually international break wasn't so bad this time, honestly. Like there were some pretty exciting matches, so uh, I mean, uh, I'm, uh, let's let's do a recap real quick because, I mean, really, Chelsea dominated. It felt like every time you looked up and saw someone scored, it was a Chelsea player or some involvement. Um, it was really incredible. Um, we had 18 total players called up for international squad. Um, two keepers, Kepa uh, <laughs> and uh, Mendy for Senegal. Uh, and then seven defenders, Zuma, Christensen, Rudiger, Chilwell, Emerson, Reese, James, and Tiago Silva all got called up. Five midfielders in, in N'Golo Conte, Hakim Ziyech, Jorginho, Mason Mount, and Kovacic. Uh, that, that didn't include Kai Havertz, who didn't, wasn't called up because of uh, COVID, his, his quarantining. And uh, four attackers in Christian Pulisic, who was called up before um, he sustained that injury. Uh, Tammy, Timo, and Olivier Giroud, Um, so not including Lonie's, the only players who weren't called up were Havertz like I said because of COVID Cho who played for the England U21s Billy Gilmore played for Scotland's U21s and also made an appearance for the Chelsea U23 team so that's really high to hear he's he's back Dave Marcus Alonso Tomori and Willie so only seven players didn't get called up 18 of them did uh Really, really <laughs> positive signs from the Chelsea uh, squad right now. Uh, it's just some highlights. Mason Mount and former Chelsea Blue Declan Rice teamed up for England and uh, scored a goal apiece against Iceland. Uh, that was really cute post-game interview because, you know, they're they're good friends from playing in the Chelsea Youth Academy together. And, uh, you know, they grew up together. So, uh, Ziyech with yet another goal from Morocco, uh, as well as a player of the match award. Uh, Giroud and Kovacic each had braces for their respective countries, so that's. I mean, I had no idea Kovacic could score one, let alone two goals. I mean, that is is that does he have even two goals for Chelsea like throughout his whole entire time playing? Yeah,
0: I think he, <laughs> I, I think I think that's exactly what he has He might have two goals. So yeah. he, he he
1: equaled his total in one match. Uh, that's beautiful. Uh, And Cho also had a goal and a lovely assist for the U21s, uh, bringing in some much-needed competition on the wing and some confidence for him. So let's talk about that a little bit because there was some discussion about this on Twitter. But with Pulisic's recent injury spell, uh, Andreas, I want to start off with you. How does Cho's international break performance factor into how soon Pulisic is brought back?
2: That's a tough question because... We've now seen the rebirth of a different player in our usual recent starting eleven that is also preventing Cho from getting a start at the wing. And and that's been Tammy's performance as striker. But if it's just between these two, I mean, we saw how Lampard went back to back to back to Willian because he could count on him being healthy. So if Pulisic's injuries are going to be a frequent thing, it could potentially cost him because Lampard's going to think I've been rushing and brushing this kid back way too much. And it's probably my own fault. So maybe this is chose chance to earn a spot into the starting 11 ahead of Christian Pulisic. If he can continue the performances and the work ethic, uh, when he's not getting playing time for Chelsea.
0: Chose, chose an interesting one. Um, Yeah, mainly because he is sort of a victim to how well the front three is is functioning right now. But, um, you know, there have been questions about his character um, in terms of his maturity and getting into the side. So to see him have a good performance at the international break is very important, um, obviously. Now, moving forward, um, I can't remember exactly what minute he got subbed in um, against Newcastle. Was it around the 70th? I'm trying to look it up here, but my computer's all glitching out. Um, but I think, I think Frank is, is starting to give him more minutes here and there. So, um, hopefully he could hit some type of form because, you know, we saw it under sorry in bits and pieces when he's isolated, um, one V one against a defender, he is an absolute nightmare to play against. So. All, it's just a matter of getting that confidence out of him, and um, I think Lampard is. I think Lampard does have a plan. I don't think it's 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 these you know baseless claims that Lampard hates Cho. No, I don't think it's about that. Um, Lamps has always been very adamant on you earning your playing time, and I just think Cho's situation is a matter of that. So good performance from him. Him at the international break got minutes against Newcastle. Um, he's in a pretty good moment right now. Um, I, I I think his time's gonna come. I mentioned Billy Gilmore as well. Um
1: a pretty funny appearances, uh, appearance for uh for Scotland. He was sent <laughs> off uh with a red card, said something funny to the ref. I'm surp- again, I'm surprised that he was able to understand what he said, but he said something naughty, got sent off. Uh what do you think he said to the ref? Honestly, <laughs> I mean, nothing
0: What could Billy dude. Gilmore say some,
1: say to the ref? I mean, stupid fucking ref- rapper. I mean, dude, that's...
2: Referees, <laughs> that's referees it, that get like, offended over everything, bro. That's Remember, I, like, you guys are NBA fans. Referees tech players for giving them a look. So, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he was complaining, and the ref needed to probably just set his authority and just pulled the red for dissent. Nobody's going to know what Billy Gilmore said. And... If he says something now, it doesn't matter. He got the red card anyway.
0: But but usually in those situations, especially if it's a player without a reputation, the referee will be really quick to just like go to the captain and be like, "Hey, he needs to get his shit together." In this case, if you if you guys see the video, the referee just without hesitation, with a straight face, he didn't yeah, but, even like. But Gilmore looked shocked.
2: He wasn't even like mad. Like he was actually yes. genuinely yeah. surprised that he got a red. So that's what I'm saying. I think this referee. Yeah. Just needed this, is very sensitive. this. It's an authority thing, yeah. Oh, this twenty, this twenty-year-old kid—not even twenty, but Gilmore—is is, <laughs> is mouthing me off. Get out of here, red card. I want to see what
1: <laughs> what ethnicity the official was. Uh, just like the the language barrier being even more. I'm not trying to make like a a, a race uh, judgment. Just, I just
2: want to know. This, actually, like, understand exactly. The yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Michael Michael Fabri F A B B R I. I can't even guess. Maybe Italian Fabri. I don't know Michael Fabri. I mean, that's my guess. He's Italian. But anyway, uh, just talking about Billmore, like Bill <laughs> Billmore, Gilmore again. Uh, he also made his
2: uh, good return... call, return. He is Italian.
1: <laughs> nice. I knew it. <laughs> Michael Fabri. He uh, he definitely said something uh, about his his mother's pasta cooking. So that's probably what he said. <laughs> um, but.
2: You
1: uh, see. <laughs> anyway <laughs> anyway he uh also made his return for the developmental squad um this weekend i believe it was actually the first uh game of the season for the premier league two uh against man city and he actually scored right after halftime uh or so, right after set, uh, the start of the second half uh so great great return for him and it's really nice for us fans to see him come back and uh, you know get so much contributions, a goal and a red card. Uh, but Zach, what do you think about his return and uh, how soon we're going to see him called
0: up to the senior squad? Um, hopefully soon. Um, I think with him and and I, and I keep saying it, you know, with these injuries, it's it's something that you you want to see a player kind of ease back into action and and. Our time frame was pretty on point. I think the last time we spoke about Billy Gilmore, we said, you know, if he's not back by late November, then we should be kind of worried. Um, and now he's putting in, you know, these kind of performances for the development squad. He's already nutmegging Timo Werner in training. Um, I mean, I think the kid's a little bit ahead of the curve. Um, it might be a matter of hopefully seeing him um, by the new year. That would be that would be the most ideal situation. But I I, I guess the main thing here is for us not to get too stuck on wanting to see him and and, and forcing him to come back sooner than later. But you also have to consider the fact that Lamps just found his best team. So um, even if Gilmore is healthy and even if he is available, um, the opportunities might be, you know, few and far between when he initially comes back just because, um, you know, Lamps would like to establish this chemistry early on. So... You know, it's only been four or five games with our strongest lineup. I think, I think you know, they have to play together more. I, I and I think that's abundantly clear, especially when you consider some of the finishing. Um, but we're going to get into that later. But, Andres, um, what do you think by New Year's? Is that do you think that's too soon or?
2: I, I mean, we have how many games now this Christmas break? I mean, that that schedule is usually congested, and you have to add on top of it that we need to finish the second part of the champions league group stage yeah believe it or not billy gilmore is going to get minutes before new year's we have conte can't be playing dm every single day Mm -hmm. and the only other guy unless i mean we have Jorginho who can you can then protect with two box-to-box guys but i can see gilmore getting in slightly ahead i mean lampard has put him in that role before and even last season before project restart and, and the cancellation, the temporary cancellation of the season, he was playing at the base of that midfield, and we were moving the ball amazing. He was playing above his size. So as long as – I don't even remember what his injury was. So it's not an Achilles, not an ACL, which are the ones that can slow you down, make you feel less confident with your body. So as long as he feels good – was it shoulder? Sorry, I, I'm trying to remember, but I believe it has nothing to do with his, his mobility. Knee. Yeah, it was his I knee. It was his- it was his knee? Okay. But hopefully that means that he can give Conte a break here or there. Maybe we see little cameos to make sure Conte is not playing 90 minutes every week, but I fully believe we will see Billy Gilmore. And, and you guys know I'm a huge Billy Gilmore fan and I'd love for him to be more part of the squad uh, as his health continues to increase. So, I'm probably one of those guys Zach is warning us to not be because I I do enjoy watching him play so much.
1: And yeah, I also it, just realized. Sorry, I just realized that he got that red card only ten minutes after he got subbed in. Uh, so that's pretty fun. Uh, go ahead, Zach.
0: <laughs> no, I think um for those that haven't seen uh, a photo of Billy Gilm um, or at least the recent one, I urge you to um, it's it's really clear that he's been putting in work in the weight room he, he he looks really good so i'm excited to see him come back man
1: i think he's like a really good team chemistry guy it seems like everyone loves him uh on the team all the players all the coaching staff like he's just a fun kid to be around you know he's so full of joy and you know he's got that just that youthful excitement for football and love for football like you know it's, pro- it's probably still crazy to him to like be uh the place where he's at right now already playing senior level football for Chelsea and us talking about like how we're going to need him to uh, give Conte some time off. So I'm really excited to see him come back a little bit more news uh, before we came back. Uh, from international break, Kai Havertz returned to training this past Thursday. So that's great. And uh, Lampard actually announced that he's hopeful that he'll be fit enough to play some part uh, in the Ren matchup this week. So that's something to keep your eye on. Uh, Of course, Ren as we saw from our last matchup uh, shouldn't be too stiff of competition. I know two of our three goals came from penalties uh, and they ended up finishing the, the match with 10 men, but, Still, I don't think it's necessary to rush him back in if uh, if he, if if he you don't need him to, and maybe like a later appearance just to see how he is. I think that's probably the most likely thing we'll see, right?
0: Yeah, lamps lamps spoke about it um, in uh, earlier in the week. You know, uh, one about the fixture congestion, um, and he said, you know, his players are coming back and they essentially only have. They land, and they only essentially have one day to train, and then they're basically off to Newcastle. Um, even for guys like Kai Havertz, who came back and only had a few days of training, there's no way that he's going to be fit. Um, I wasn't expecting the team to play that well against Newcastle, considering how much training they had once they got back from international duty. Um, but in terms of seeing Kai against Ren, I think he's going to come off the bench. I don't think we're going to be seeing him start. Um, regardless of uh you know whether he's been cleared or not uh it it, covid does have lasting effects um on the Mm -hmm. respiratory system even after you stop showing symptoms so it's going to take time for him to recover fully but why don't we resort to our uh in-house covid expert (laughs) uh andres what do you what do you think i mean you had it obviously every it affects everybody differently but like How soon Once were you, you back in action? How, <laughs> how did you feel physically? Yeah, I guess that's a uh, big
2: question. Sluggish, but but even then, it was maybe four days tops that I felt sluggish. If hopefully we don't know how, what his symptoms were. I was pretty asymptomatic outside of a bad fever for a one for about a thirty-six hour spell. So my thing is. Eh, and I can't remember which documentary I watched, but they were talking about how one mis- missing one week of practice for a pro mm-hmm. football player is different than a normal person like us missing one week at the gym. It was one of the all or nothing. I think it was the, 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 the latest one. one. It's the latest uh, one for yeah. sure, then. It was the latest one with the Spurs one because mm-hmm. they were talking about Sawn or they had a lot of injuries, whatever. Yeah, but exactly. the point is, seven days for a, a person who is training twice a day different things is is a lot of work to put back in it's ren i do i think i i was leaning before we started talking and before i even started going on this ramble i was <laughs> thinking maybe kai would start because we do have five subs so maybe he can get an early sub out but you're right i think it'd be the other way around where if frank is lacking creativity on the pitch he can then add Havertz to the equation and get uh, the free-flowing one-twos, the the movement off the ball that, that Kai can bring on without having to stress too much his physical condition because he can put in a 20-30 to 30 minute cameo and get that final goal if it's even needed.
1: So. And uh, also Pulisic came back to training, uh, which is really nice. And I don't know if you guys saw his beard. But he's looking really sharp. Uh, he's becoming I, a man.
0: He's coming yeah, up before our eyes. It's, this, uh, the, this is the same
1: thing that happened with me, man. I'm growing out my beard for the first time in my life, and I've officially become a man. So I can relate. Uh, Andreas is the COVID expert, and I'm the newly founded beard expert. And I can tell you <laughs> that Polistic is officially a man now. <laughs> it's official, guys. All right, well, you also mentioned, Zach, that uh, uh, Frank had been complaining a little bit about the the schedule congestion and yeah. that's been, that's been troubling a lot of teams. It's been leading to a lot of muscle injuries. And uh, as, as we've talked about, and you guys know the premier league is the only team in Europe right now that hasn't adapted to the five sub rule and they're sticking to the three sub. Uh, I think, well, what, what's been reported is that the fears of the smaller teams think that this will heavily favor uh, the top dogs with a lot of depth and that's about, val- there's a lot of merit in that argument, but I think when you're looking around the league and you're seeing how many players are out with muscle injury, um, it's just a matter of time and, you know, steps ha- have begun to be made uh, beginning with a meeting, I think this past week uh, that it seems very likely that the premier league will be moving in that direction and they will be having five subs. So, um, Andreas, uh, I, I know that you've been an advocate about this. What what are your thoughts about adding the five subs yeah. for us?
2: So the, the smaller clubs are saying, oh, this is going to benefit – their argument has been what you said. These squads are deeper and it would just benefit them. But these small clubs aren't even leaving the UK. They get to stay in England. They don't have these midweek matches, so they get a full week's rest without the risk of more COVID, without the risk of tired legs, because they have time to dedicate to recovery, to adding fitness, to ensuring their players are isolating properly. And it's a balance. I think five subs compared compare There, the other argument was that, oh, well, these top teams, and they used Liverpool, Chelsea, uh, Liverpool, sorry, Liverpool and City, as the main example is they're not even using their three subs right now. And is there truth behind that? Yes, but they're not looking at the full picture. When you have only three subs, you use two subs for strategy and then you keep a third one in case somebody gets hurt and you don't make that third sub until the very end because otherwise, especially now when you can really get a random player you don't expect having an injury in a game, you, you would risk having to play 10 men for an extended period if you use all three subs early. So this argument that the five subs will somehow benefit the top dogs far more than the relegation sides I think is a little bit uh, just kind of an easy cop-out on behalf of the small teams when they fully are aware that the top seven of last season have two matches every four four days while they have one every seven.
1: Mm-hmm. I haven't thought of it that way, Andreas, but that that's a good point too. It probably evens out the extra rest that they get. Um, but I mean, once once the injury bug starts hitting the smaller teams, then they're going to realize that
0: it's also... It has. Uh, it, yeah. It, it, that, that, that's, something, that's something I kind of wanted to add to the, to the equation too. I mean, we saw a center back go down with a hamstring injury in our game um, when Jamal Lasells went down we see a Brighton team that has what three out of their four starting in their back line out next week I mean there, there's there's That's injuries Liverpool. all across yeah but 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 my thing is like there's injuries all across the board so you know the argument that oh these guys are gonna have an advantage because they have more quality players it's 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 unfounded if you look at Chelsea's first it's nine crazy. games what what? Out of those nine games, did we actually have our full-strength squad? Not starting 11. I'm talking squad from 1 to 18.
1: We haven't had it yet. Have we
0: even had that once? So, yeah, and that's the thing. We arguably have the deepest team in the league right now. So so that whole argument just kind of goes out the window. It's like everybody's suffering with these injuries. And we're more susceptible. The bigger clubs are more susceptible, if anything, because – FIFA still decides to have international friendlies, exactly. You know, Just for fuck's sake, and mm-hmm. and so so that puts us at risk. I mean, you look at Joe Gomez; he went down the day after he goes on international duty. I mean, it's it mm-hmm. it, it it goes both ways. I just I just don't like these, that argument. These players oh, aren't what machines. about us? Yeah, the players yeah, are machines, exactly. and we
2: get it. There's a lot of lost money because this all the seas, all the clubs had to hit pause, and you have to. They're already playing a congested schedule as is. They didn't have a proper preseason to rest and come back. And, mm-hmm. and then on top of that, FIFA was like, oh, let's do friendlies for TV airtime <laughs> because most of these countries still aren't allowing guests. Like, I highly doubt these players getting called up are excited about the UEFA Nations League, fully knowing that if they get injured there, they don't play in the Just Euros ask next Germany.
0: time. They 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 weren't excited at all this international break. Yeah, I is, like,
2: that's what happens spanked. after you
1: get spanked. Yeah, I mean you don't want to be excited after that.
0: But, no, but, but the it's point just, is,
2: it's just yeah. these guys. Kroos came out and, and and spoke against the the friendlies. There's no need for it. There really isn't. If there's they no delay...
0: fans going and enjoying <laughs> the games on right. cheaper ticket prices. There's nobody enjoying a hot dog in the state like. There's. <laughs> it's pointless it's complete and you yeah, know see, there's no
1: hot thing. dog being the small- eaten there it's
0: pointless i agree no <laughs> no but no, but, but, <laughs> but what is why do we put on international friendlies if it's not for revenue yeah okay i mean I, everything that you guys have been said
1: all this whole time we've talked about it already but the good news yeah. is that it's looking like it's heading in that Positive direction
2: coming, that yeah.
1: that we yeah. will be adding those five subs so uh you guys don't have to bicker anymore thank god um <laughs> So let's let's move on uh, to this Newcastle matchup uh, to the part you guys all want to hear about. We're finally getting into the match recap 30 minutes in Uh, Chelsea (laughs) continuing their hot run of form. I forget how many matches in a row we've won at this point. I didn't even write it down
2: unbeaten in eight or in 12.
1: Unbeaten in 12, but I think we've won no, like the only, six the in a only row. The only
2: loss was the penalty shootout, which is technically not a loss. <laughs> yes. Nice. Uh,
1: and uh, so let's run through the lineup real quick. Mendy, Mendy in goal. Uh, Chilwell, Rudiger, Zuma, and Reese James in the back line. Uh, N'Golo Conte, Mason Mount, uh, and Kovacic in the midfield. And Ziyech, Timo Werner, and Tammy up top. Uh, again... Just a reminder, no Kai due to lack of match fitness. Pulisic remained side- sidelined with a hamstring injury. Uh, so what what were your guys' initial thoughts on the lineup? Was this, I mean, for me, uh, it was really nice to see Chilwell out there after the injury he sustained uh, during the international break. So that gave me a little bit of worries, but uh, it was really nice to see him out there. And, you know, he he, he didn't look like he missed a beat uh what about you, Andreas? Uh, was this the most predictable lineup that we've seen yet?
2: Yeah, definitely. I I thought it was the easiest one. Like you said, Chilwell was the one question mark, and it would have been Aspie instead of him on the left. I did have a slight fear. I think I might have had like a, like a cold sweat in the middle of the night thinking, what if Lampard tries something dumb and goes for the 3-4-3 just because of the personnel? But... I truly think that those days are behind us. I think that the 4-3-3 is, is here to stay, and, and yeah, easy easy pickings once, you, once you're once you confident that the 4-3-3 three, three will be the formation.
0: Yeah, I think I think the only question marks going into the game was something you touched on. It was Chilwell's health. Um, but the other one was who's going to start at center back because we found out um, pretty late in the week last week that uh, – that Thiago Silva wasn't gonna be joining the team for the Newcastle match. Um so yeah, I mean Rudiger comes in, that's not very surprising. Um there's been a lot of talk out of the Chelsea camp that Lamps and Rudy have, you know, ironed out their differences if there were any. Um they've had a conversation about Rudy's standing and it looks like Rudy's our third choice center back. So um I know we're gonna get into that, but yeah, no real surprises. I said it earlier. I mean, Lamps knows what his best 11 is, and I think now he's at the stage where he's just trying to figure out who he could plug in where um, if he needs mm-hmm. cover. Um, and, you know, obviously we saw Rudiger plug in at center back. We saw Kovacic plug in at center mid, Tammy plugging in up top. Um, so now it's time for those guys to really stamp their stamp their place in a team. Yeah, let's start off talking about the strikers. Um,
1: you know, when we got Timo Werner initially – we talked a lot about the potential for a two-striker formation and, uh, you know, how often we'd see that. And we've yet to really see that yet uh, to up to this point. But a lot of 4-3-3 with Werner out wide and Tammy at striker. And it's looked pretty good. Um, I mean, again, this this past game, both of them played very well. Uh, I'll run through the stats real quick. Timo with two shots, one on target. Both should have been goals, really. One assist, a very unselfish play to Tammy. Uh, one out of two dribbles completed. 31 out of 38 accurate passes. Four, uh, so so far, he's had four goals and two assists in nine Premier League uh, appearances. Three goals and one assist in three Champions League matches. Uh, Zach, I'll start off with you. Is Timo
0: living up to the expectations? hell yeah he is um look it's it, it is frustrating at times to see him um you know miss some chances or like in this game a chance at the very end of the first half where he was in 1v1 on the keeper did really well to win the ball back um and opted to pass it to tammy and just kind of fucked it up instead of just smashing it in the back of the net like he should have um you can criticize him for not finishing or being as clinical um, in, in situations where he could be. I think back to the Champions League games, a um, couple chances in the box. Uh, I think it was Wren? Or no, no, it was Sevilla. It was a no-no draw against Sevilla. Um, in the first half of that game, he had two really good chances in the box around the penalty area that he that he missed. Um, but besides that, guys, I mean, we're, we're looking for ways to criticize him. The numbers don't lie. I mean, we said it before the season started and he's lived up to that. He's going to come in and he's going to put up numbers. This is our ready-made attacking signing that we got in this summer. Um, And he's showing it, goals and assists. So fair play to him. You know, he hasn't kicked up a fuss playing on the left, which is interesting. But at the same time, it's not very surprising. The spaces that Tammy is opening up for him and opportunities that Timo's getting from Tammy... Uh, Playing up top is 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 kind of working well for both of them So I don't see this being an issue if it's something that stays long term Um, But it's definitely an option to look at um, You know in in terms of rotation as the season goes on How about you Andreas?
2: I mean you you said the numbers the guy has what is that six ten goal contributions and twelve appearances that's Incredible turnaround and Zach alluded to it too He's had to play roles he wasn't expecting to play. He's had to play on wide due to injuries at the beginning. Then he got to play striker for a little bit, scored some goals. Now he's playing wide again, getting his assists again. So so the guy's willing to do whatever it takes for the team. And and that's the least you can ask for. And he's succeeding at it. On top of that, he's now our potentially our penalty taker, which is cool. Uh, I think that if he could get consistency in – his natural position, we'd see his numbers lean more towards goal and less towards the assists. So I think that the mentality of, of where he is at the pitch is potentially what's causing him to make that sort of lapse in judgment of what to do rather than just pulling the trigger. But again, I think overall he's been a, a quite the success. So you see it too then. I I, I I was hesitant to
0: say it, but I, I feel like when he is out on the left, he looks to create more than he does to kill. And yeah. I, and you saw it with by Tammy's three. assist. Yeah.
2: He could have finished that on his own. And what he do? Yeah. Is he gave a pass to Tammy to finish it. He made that whole run all the way into the box, past three guys just with pure speed. And he was like, oh, here you go, Tammy. Uh, if he was playing striker, your whole paycheck comes from scoring goals, not from creating for someone else. And so, yeah, I fully believe that having to play so far, 67, almost 70% of his minutes out wide... Is causing him to to think more unselfishly, and sometimes that is an issue. That was I mean, is, is, is is the initial. right decision, too. Yeah, like, yeah, this time, this time. Yeah, this but time. But there was, was. The, the, the other chance that the 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 chance I talked about right. with think to, to Tammy. Yes, but earlier he could have gotten himself a goal. Mm-hmm. We've seen him score far more complicated chances than that in in a Chelsea jersey already. Yeah, but he decided to pass sideways instead of finishing, and I thought that was that comes with. <laughs> again you practice the what shift. Goal yeah yeah so his he's playing starting out wide whatever and he's being told that hey there's gonna be a striker in front of you maybe that plays into it a little bit
1: well shifting our attention to the other striker tammy three matches in a row with the goal so he's been on a really nice streak uh in this match he had 32 touches three shots three chances created one goal, nearly had another right before the the own goal. Uh, got to the end of a beautiful cross uh, from Ziyech. Just the most perfect ball I've ever seen. But unfortunately, a great save. Kept it out of the net. Um, so right now, he has three goals, two assists, and five starts. Uh, nine With nine appearances total. We got a question from Nacho Fuentes. Shout out to Venezuela on Twitter. He asks, should Tammy be included as a first name in the team sheet? While Timo can be played as a striker, Tammy has shown a lot of promising signs when he has played. Uh, Andres, you think Tammy is definitely a first team player always?
2: Yes. Uh, in current form, yes. I think Tammy has reacted far. We, we all feared during Project Restart that Tammy just gave up in terms of what he thought his future was at Chelsea because the news of Timo Werner had already come out, but at the beginning of this season, Tammy has really stepped up to the challenge. I think he's, I think he kind of sees the benefit of working to help his teammates in a way. I think last season being, you know, the young scrappy guy, he was looking to put his head down and shoot everything. And and he got to score a lot of those goals. And then that kind of faded out because you know, numbers don't lie. He was creating far more than he should have based on where he was taking shots from. But the point is, I think he's looked to be better with his back towards goal. I think he's kind of seen the, the benefit of, hey, if I just pass the ball to Kai, Timo, whoever gets open, they can finish the job in a far easier spot than I am if I turn around and try to dribble past this guy. So I think he's added a lot of what Giroud did so well during Project Restart this time around. And again, Bolzic's not healthy yet. the con- the 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 schedule is only going to get tougher. Ride this wave out. You have Timo who can slide to the central role. You can. You you have flexibility, but right now this is working, and you shouldn't change that.
0: Yeah, um, I I can't agree more. I mean, listen, I, I I've been Team Tammy for the longest time. You guys know that. Um, so I have no complaints in him in a starting eleven, but I think what we're seeing is is a maturity in his game. He's become a lot more technical as a striker, a lot more comfortable with the ball at his feet. But I think the the thing that's been abundantly clear is he is a lot more comfortable with his back to goal. That's something we criticized wow. him of last season as being an off the shoulder striker and kind of being one dimensional in that aspect at times. Um, but we're really seeing him get physical with 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 defenders. He's not mm-hmm. he, he doesn't shy away from that contact and that's definitely expanded his game. Um the reason why I said wow just now Zach was because yeah. I was going to give him credit uh
1: specifically for this one play where he held up the ball and laid it off to Kovacic for a shot. Um that that's the kind of stuff that I was looking for him to to be doing for, uh, all of last season. That was like my biggest complaint. His hold up mm-hmm. play was just he he was afraid of physical contact. it felt like, and yeah, I mean, he, well, you
0: know. he could. He is the reason why uh, Ali Giroud is possibly looking for a way out now. I yeah,
2: mean, he's a hundred percent looking him. for that's, a way out. Yeah, that's that's
0: why we. That's I mean, that's why we kept Giroud is because he does give us that aspect of okay, if we want a, a classic hold up number nine that can just kind of keep possession and just kind of shit house center backs, we have Ali Giroud to do that. But Tammy has seen. Tammy's kind of seemed to do all three and 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 he could be a hybrid of all of that because he has the athleticism now run defenders, but now we're seeing him be physical and more technical with the ball at his feet. It's, it's a sight to behold. I think, I think the biggest stat that kind of shows how well he is playing is how many touches on the ball he's having um, 32 touches. That's a lot for a striker against a team that played with a back eight. Um, it, oftentimes he wasn't, playing off the back shoulder of center backs or not even necessarily playing on a center back. But what he would do to create more numbers for us in the attacking third was actually drop deep into the midfield. And that's part of the holdup play you're talking about, Sam. Um, I remember there was one play specifically in the first half. Tammy picked up the ball at about the halfway line. And as he was getting dragged down the floor, like managed to spray it out wide right. And I was like, you know, like that's the type of moment where if fans are in the stadium, they're kind of applauding, Right. It's those, it's those things that don't really show up on the stat sheets that Tammy's starting to do um, is just kind of making his game well-rounded. We always knew he had the goals, um, but now he has this, and, and this is just going to kind of propel him to the next level. The more interesting thing is when we are at full strength, we do have Kai Havertz and Pulisic. Are those guys going to limit Tammy's chances, or is Tammy going to continue in this run of form and just kind of you know not be deterred by the fact that our best players are getting healthy again?
1: And we got a really interesting question uh, on Twitter. And this one is from at Chels Eric. And uh, I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say. But he asks, is Tammy more clinical in the box than Timo? Uh, Just to quickly run through the numbers. uh, Timo, just talking about the Premier League, uh, four goals on 22 shots. uh, And and 10 of those shots were on target. So that's 18% conversion rate. 45% 45% on target rate and Tammy in the Premier League 3 goals on 14 shots 8 of which were on target 21% conversion rate and 57 on target rate so you're looking at the percentages I mean this is not going to be a, you know telling everything but it is it is insightful it, it's around the same the conversion rate is very close but Tammy's shots seem to be getting on target more often uh i mean not not by a large margin but still uh, this is something that we have questioned in the past uh timo's just a lot of his shots just not getting on target and whether that's any question for concern i think we all agree that it isn't but with with the way tammy's been playing zach do you think tammy's more clinical than verner or what are we seeing right now
0: Uh, definitely not. I don't think, um, I don't think Timo Werner is less clinical than Tammy Abraham. I think their mindsets are a little different. We talked about it earlier. I think Tammy's looking for his and and, and that's the key. Tammy is playing the number nine. Let's not forget that. So when the team is being announced and Lamps is going through tactics... Tammy's job is to score goals. He is our number nine. If Werner's playing out out wide, yes, he's still responsible for contributing goals, but he's creating as well. And I think Timo, and this could... I don't want to criticize him for this because I feel like it's kind of harsh, but when Timo does play on the left, he does adapt his game to play more like a winger as opposed to an inside forward or a striker that's just kind of filling in the gap on the wing. There are times in the game where... I want Timo to be a striker, sort of like that situation where Andres said, where where Timo laid it off to Tammy, you, it, both times, even on his assist, he could have gone to goal both times. If 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 he's playing a number nine, you you bet your bottom dollar that he's gonna at least attempt it. Um, but yeah, I I think it's a, I, I think it's kind of a silly argument, um, be, just because of the way that both their mentalities are. But Andres, I know you have you have your take on it too. Um, where, where do you stand? Is it a mentality thing or,
2: well, I'm, I mean, it's a position thing overall. So I'm looking, mm. I, I'm pulling up the shots per 90 as well. And Timo having to play out wide, let's say, give or take, he's played out wide half of the premier league time. Is is that a fair argument here that he's played about 50% of his premier league minutes in at the left side of the pitch? Mm-hmm. So uh yeah, yeah I'd say that. Two he's he's only getting 2.54 shots per 90. Meanwhile, Tammy getting to play striker is taking 3.28 shots per 90. So there he's averaging almost Tammy's averaging almost a shot one more shot than Timo per 90 and he still has one less goal. I I know that Tammy has less minutes, but I also argue that Tammy right now is coming into a Chelsea that has officially made the 4 3 3 formation their go to. It is now a fluid attack compared to the beginning of the season where we were struggling in a 4 2 3 1 to create many chances. And the chances that Timo was creating then was a solo trying to dribble into the box crowded area. So my argument is that Tammy has had. And it's not his fault. He's finishing them, so we we're obviously very proud of that. I think Tammy's been put in an easier situation to put the goals in the back of the net than Timo, based on the on the current circumstance of the four three three, getting to play his preferred position, etc. And like we discussed earlier, Timo now playing in a secondary position is trying to change his mentality and, and how he approaches the game, as to a striker who was has to be bloodthirsty for goal all ninety minutes.
1: And I'm, I'm looking at uh his actual appearances in the Premier League on transfer market, and he has played more matches. He's played six matches on uh, on the wing and three in the middle, actually. I don't know how you go. official these stats are, but more than 50%, two-thirds. And, um, and
2: the expected goals are pretty similar. Again, uh, mm-hmm. Tammy's had less, less starts, but it's .55 to Tammy versus .45 to Timo. And nice. these are just... Advanced really, analytics yeah so those are expected expected goals based on where they're getting to take their shots from so again slightly the same and timo's coming from a wider position so i i still think it's too soon and, and eric i i know we want to cheer for the the hometown guy but
1: <laughs>
2: timo timo it, it, just look at last season it, he was playing for You can argue – I'd argue that Leipzig and Chelsea are pretty – almost on par. Almost. I'd say Leipzig's run a form at the end of last season. Now I think Chelsea's by far the better team. But Timo as the head honcho there was over 30 goals. Tammy, uh, I believe, was close to 20. So, again, different part of their careers and all that. But at this moment in time, I still think Timo is the better forward
1: interesting uh by the way expected goals i don't care about that it's all about expected goals post shot that is the analytic that i care about okay (laughs) (laughs) i still don't know what that means but it's it's a great number uh all right let's move on to the defending now uh we got to start off with in gold conte he had a man of the match performance it was amazing to see the man is back to his best uh playing in his natural position you love to see it making blind tackles. I don't know if you guys saw that picture, but there's literally a picture oh, yeah. of him making a perfect tackle while his jersey, <laughs> his his kid is being pulled over his face, which was, it, it, that's just like the couldn't, you couldn't have found a more perfect N'Golo Kante picture than that one rather than every other. I mean, other than all the ones of him smiling and training, those are the most perfect pictures. Um, but eighty said he had 87 touches, five recoveries, Two clearances, three interceptions, four tackles. Uh, we got a Twitter question from at Kojo, the homeboy. He says, so serious question. Now that Conte is finding his 2016 form back, would you still recommend the club to get a new defensive mid? Andreas, I know you're high on Reese, I'm not Reese James on a, uh, what's his name? Uh, <laughs> from West, uh, from West Ham, Declan, Declan Rice.
2: Declan, yeah. Declan. yeah, I don't know why. Declan Declan yeah, I know you're high on Declan. I, I mean, I I don't but. think we stop looking for a DM. We don't have a natural second option now. Come Billy Gilmore back and he kills it. Then I say we can wait till the summer rather than overpaying in January. I, it's it just you have to also remember you have to compete in multiple fronts, and. Aside from the COVID and the, and the international breaks and all this stuff that's going on, what's happening at Liverpool I think is a is a very telling thing. Liverpool was one of the least rotating sides last season, and it's showing now. Everyone is hurt, everyone. So for me, is how do you keep Conte healthy? Is well, you give him a chance to breathe and, and and find somebody that can step into this role. Uh, maybe somebody young that's not a full product yet, uh, and then. Again, Conte's in his 30s already. Much like Thiago, you're going to have to protect his minutes soon to continue to let him do what he did this weekend. (laughs) So I don't say no to signing a new DM. I just think that you need to be smart about who you bring in next. I I thought that that was going to be Ampadu, and then we shifted him on loan immediately. So I I think we still need to find a DM because we only have one natural one in this roster.
0: Yeah, you got to have cover. I think that's the important thing. Um, if, if Chelsea fans don't want to see Jorginho playing at the six anymore, then we have to go into the market come January um, to see uh, if we can find cover in that position. But look, I think the key is Jorginho actually being the one that moves on. Um, I think the reason why we didn't make a real genuine push at Declan um, last summer was because we couldn't move on Jorginho and we just couldn't one, free up the funds. Um, but two, uh, free up the squad space as well. Um, so I think if we could turn Jorginho around in January, it would be a really wise move to bring in Declan Rice. I think if we can't get Declan Rice in January, it would still be um, very foolish of us not to look at some kind of cover in that position, even if it is, dare I say it, a temporary stopgap. Um, just someone that could kind of come in and play for a season or two until, until West Ham's willing to sell. If I'm being honest with you guys, though, I don't really feel good about our chances of getting Declan come January, just based on West Ham's standing right now um, and the way that they've been playing. You know, I I think if they lose him, their season sort of unravels, and they they've managed to pull together a couple decent results. Um, I don't know. I just don't see Declan coming in January. I gotta yeah, be and, honest,
1: and I think the the return of Billy Gilmore also plays a lot into it. Like if yeah. he comes back and he can really hold down that backup defensive mid role and just like be able to allow Frank to get that rotation going, then there's I don't see any reason why you'd want to. So well, um, no,
0: I but, mean, right. well, no, but you kind of just I mean answered your own question there. It's it, I mean if we put. Billy Gilmore, there it, it is just rotation. It's not because Billy Gilmore is a defensive midfielder.
2: I, and, I and think but at, at the end of the day, I mean, we he played. We've seen the midfield three for Lampard not include a natural DM and it work. It's just a matter of is that what Lampard really no, wants no. to do? Yeah. Is that do we now trust our back five because I'm including the keeper enough to say we don't need a man whose job sole job is to protect them? So we may be able to eventually evolve to that, but I still think that Conte and Thiago Silva as a duo back there are a big reason for our success. Obviously, Eduard Mendy's numbers speak for themselves. I We don't have to praise him every single podcast, but <laughs> – I'm OK doing that. Yeah, I'm totally OK yeah. doing that. Okay, well then I'll go ahead and say the fact that our keeper with only five matches is tied for the lead in clean sheets. Yeah. So so I think that... (laughs) 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 Until until we can prove throughout this whole season, because it is still maybe too soon to call, that our back line is strong enough. Maybe you don't immediately say, oh, no need for a natural DM and, and Billy can handle it, but... If we keep this defensive record that we are holding down right now, maybe you can have a little bit more of a fluid midfield as long as they're workhorses. And I don't think Billy is lacking in that department. Obviously, Mason Mount isn't lacking in that department. And Kai Havertz has shown he's also not lacking in in putting in the, the hard work. So could that be a possibility in the future? Again, Conte is the today and the tomorrow right now. But I mean, the... Three days, which in my metaphor is three seasons from now, he's not. So, yeah. But,
0: but even Lampard's already talking about Conte's fitness levels, and he's saying like, yeah, you know, he is back to his best, but we are keeping an eye on how many minutes he's playing too. So, I, have mean, to. I mean, it's, well, yeah, I mean, of course you have to, but but the fact that Lamps is just kind of saying it in a presser is like, look, I mean, we're clearly monitoring this guy's, this guy's physical health. Mm-hmm. um or you know his stamina as the season goes on just to make sure that he doesn't break down that's basically what he said um sorry what is I mean, that giving his you?
1: given his track history with with bringing back with the players yeah, yeah bringing back players before they were i think that's something that he he has to address because he needs to show the show the world that he's like self-aware and that he knows well, that this I, is an I, issue I that he has, has to keep has... an eye on
0: I think Conte is yet to miss a game for us for a contact related injury. i think wood. all the injuries that he's missed for us so far are non-contact related and that's that's the concern. Yeah, is that like that okay, the wood, guy that
1: doesn't happen again?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean the guy has a lot of mileage on is like that's why I'm saying like maybe bringing in someone who could just kind of shit house things and and, and make things boring and Mikel it just so we can grind out a couple tough results. You know, when we have a tough Champions Champions League match midweek and we play a rotated squad. I mean, that's what we need the, the backup for. It's not necessarily, yeah. let's bring in Declan Rice because he's a second coming. It's more if, like, no, we, exactly. could, we could bring a guy if, in if for a year the, or
1: two. If on the board... I'm only bringing them in if the price is right. I'm not overpaying for them at this yeah, point. Yeah, no. Like, there's no, no I'm way. Not gonna nah, be
0: held, you, I'm not going to be held captive because it's not like – listen, a Declan Rice situation, and this is something – I'm, I'm going to piss off a lot of people. But the Declan Rice situation is not like the Kai Havertz situation where, OK, we're going <laughs> after a top five young prospects. player in the world. We're not we're not even going for a top 5 player in that position we're he's barely cr- someone... he's barely cracking the english uh, national team <laughs> yeah but, but, but look i mean not to say that he doesn't have that potential because that's stupid too because he's so young in it's early days but like it's not a signing that we absolutely have to make it's not one of those blatantly obvious ones like bringing in tiago silva or bringing in Eduard, i was going to say eduardo Menderosa or yeah, bringing in like safe. edward mendy but, like, it's not it's not that crucial. But at the same time, if we could get the right price, it's done. But I don't think yeah. West Ham is going to give us the right you, price. Right.
2: And, and you're also going to have to ask a guy who's also putting on the armband for West Ham to, to sit more than he plays. And, and that – Yeah, back all up those the best defensive mid in
0: the whole entire world. Yeah, for the next yeah which maybe is, that's not
2: what which he is wants. why it was so confusing to see Ampadu leave. Obviously, Gilmore was hurt, which was maybe where he was rolling in our academy might have a kid that's ready for that we don't know but like you said if we're gonna look for a guy that's a mick role i think declan rice his ambitions are not that and i can't yeah. see him taking the the like obviously everyone wants to play at a top club but if you're but that's if you play and like you said he's not a kai havertz guy that you sign and has to play every single minute because this is the guy if we were trying to do that, then you go and pay rent for Cavaminga now. And that's not what we're doing. So if we're not looking to do that, then there's no need for Declan Rice at an even more mm-hmm. inflated price in January because yeah, there's, there's simply no need for it. And, and you guys mentioned it. West Ham is having a decent season for their standards. They're not going to sell him midway through.
1: Yeah. Well, let's move on to the return of Rudiger. Um, wasn't really tested much in the match, but he was solid throughout when he was called upon. So, uh, again, for me personally, and I think a lot of Chelsea fans agree with me, not the biggest fan of Rudiger at this point. Uh, we understand and appreciate all he's done for us being the special agent that brought in Kai Havertz and Timo Werner. Uh, so we'll, we will always be eternally grateful for that. But, um, I, w- I was happy with this performance um but i think the the bigger talking point about that uh, selection was um christensen being named on the bench while tamori was left off the squad completely um we also got a we got a twitter question about this actually from at mconan 1789 he asks what's going on with tamori Rudiger starting is one thing, but Christensen being selected for the bench ahead of Tamori makes you wonder, is Tamori a January alone? Because it feels like we're wasting him right now. So, uh, Zach, I'll start off with you. Are we uh, wasting away Tamori's talents right now?
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: you love Tamori, don't...
0: don't you? I do. I do. And, and, and it's not – I feel bad for him. Um, but at the same time, I don't know if it's his fault or not. Uh, you know, the rumors were saying that there was a loan move to West Ham and that both clubs agreed and it was Tomori who actually turned it down because he was concerned about his playing time. Um if that was the case then he might have made the wrong decision because West Ham's in the market for a center back right now. They're actually looking for a guy to plug in a couple of holes. So that move might have made some sense sense for him at the time. Tomori is incredibly talented. Um I think it's stupid to say that he he needs to be in the first team every single week. Um, because the guys that are playing deserve it. Um, the results are showing it. So, you know, you can argue that he could be on the bench, but if we're not the ones seeing train we're not the ones seeing him in training. And I think, you know, the fact that we had a loan move set up for him told you everything you needed to know about Frank's plans for him going into this season. And Frank said it last year too. He said, you know, we are going to be bringing in bigger, big players. And when they do come in, these young guys have to be ready. Like we're Chelsea football club. We're not just going to wait until these guys become great. We're going to become great now. And these guys have to catch up. And I think Tomori's kind of fallen victim to that in terms of the pecking order. He needs a loan. I, I think if he doesn't get one, all of his talent is wasted for the season. And it's, I, what I don't want to see, and what this is very, very reminiscent of, and, and dare I say it, is early Ruben Loftus' cheek at Chelsea, where he just kind of hung around way too long before getting a loan move. And then by that time, you know, it, it, it was just kind of an unfortunate turn of events from there on out. So I don't want to see the same thing with Vic. I,
2: I blame Keppa. And, and <laughs> hear me out. No, I'm serious. I'm dead serious. I, I, I
0: blame Keppa for a
1: lot of things. So no, I agree no, no but hear
2: me out. <laughs> I, I truly think that. This is on KEPA plus the unfortunate pandemic that came on after because.
0: Well, wow, you're even blaming after... the pandemic on KEPA too?
2: No, no, no. Damn, no. Just the Tamori situation. It's KEPA <laughs> plus the
0: pandemic.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know Kepa, Kepa, KEPA
0: 19. Is? Is yeah. KEPA 19. COVID, yeah. 19 COVID is, is COVID. safe percentage.
2: COVID is KEPA in a different language, in Chinese. <laughs> no, it's it's. Here's my thing, though. Lampard was put into a situation where he had to change the defense. He had to. The reason being, not Tamori, because every time we saw Tamori on the pitch, we thought he did good to fine. We never were, he, there was like one match where we like, wow, Tamori did not play well there. But that was like an outlier to the big picture of last season. But then when you have all these conceded goals, Lampard's going to have to make changes there. And the changes came in the form of chill well. Thiago Silva, and Eduard Mendy. You bring in Silva, Chelsea was hoping to send off a Christensen or a Rudiger because these guys are international level players with international level salaries to make sure that Tomori would be a rotational option. Like that's what the plan the, I'm 100% sure that that's what the original plan was. But then comes COVID on top of the fact that we had a crappy conceded goal number because of a keeper and now Tomori, who's got the small salary and is the easiest movable piece because again doesn't have to have the minutes dah, 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 dah. then we talk about summer loans and he's like wait no i'm better than some than rudiger for sure and i can fight christensen to be the next best outside of the starting two which i even think lampard agrees that that's the case but money talks and if you can in right now in the climate we're in can at least get a guy off of your salary books because again, if tomorrow if it's not Tamori going on loan, you better believe that Chelsea's going to have to pay some of Christiansen and or Rudiger's salary even when they're away. So Tamori being on a youth level contract still is the easy piece, and it and he his talent is being wasted. And I hope he gets a loan, but I don't think it has anything to do with what he brings to the table. It's everything around him that's really straight up fucking him over
0: <laughs> yeah it, it is nothing he's doing and I, and I think that's the reason why I feel bad for him it's kind of like it's kind of like Loftus-Cheek like when when he never got a run out we were always saying man it would be great to have that sort of impact player to come in off the bench oh well why does Ruben Loftus-Cheek never ever ever get playing time in this situation we're gonna have a guy like Tiago Silva who's not going to be able to travel on every single away trip. He's not going to be able to play every single midweek fixture. He's not going to be able to play every weekend like he was this weekend. I mean, there's going to be times where other guys slot in. And common sense, if based on the eye test from last season, would tell you that the Kyle Tamori is actually the best foil for Kurt Zuma should Tiago Silva actually be out of the Chelsea team. Um, so the fact that he's not getting picked is 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 kind of – it, it dumbfounds me. It kind of does, and and it Damn, only the only real right. rational logic that you could put is, you know, we're not there in training. It has to be something that's either not being done or not
2: being processed um, at training. So, uh, you know. I find it more shocking that Rudiger jumped from fourth choice to second choice for this match. I, I don't well, know listen, what happened. I there. think
0: I I think I think in uh, last season Rudiger. I mean, obviously. He definitely didn't do his name any good. Prior to that, we were crazy about Rudiger. Let's not sh- let's not kid ourselves. So, so I, I I think we've been a little harsh as Chelsea fans in general. I'm not just saying us three, but I don't think Rudiger's a shit player. I don't think he doesn't deserve to be third choice. I just think it's interesting how Fikayo Tamori just seems to be mm. the better fit, common sense wise.
2: Um, also,
1: Andreas Christensen played. Uh... In, in the international break right before and then rudiger was not playing in that six nil deficit
0: was tamori so... getting was tamori getting picked for the u23s does anybody know
1: i don't think he i didn't see anything with him playing uh this break. because if break. he's not
0: if he's not getting any game time then there you go there's your reason yeah,
2: the guy's just not his... match
0: fit yeah Oh yeah but, but, yeah.
2: yeah I, I guess maybe that's it's all I, I, what I'm talking about is just in, in the big picture. Rudiger got minutes in the Champions League last time out too. Like, what? And, and also, I know that you have to have the leadership and the experience. I get that, but it's still just also weird. I.
1: Best Andreas will he, he'll, he'll defend case his case Andreas scenario. till he'll defend on, other Andreas until the day he dies. I respect that.
2: <laughs> no, but but based, Best case scenario, Liverpool gets really, really, really desperate and they take Tomori on loan in January. And then Tomori gets to play for a good side.
1: That would be cool. I, I don't know if I'd like that or not. Like, I mean, it would be nice to see him play for a side like that, but that, that probably would be exactly what they need to, like, stay on top. But, okay, let's move on. to re- the, Another return and Andreas. This one is something you can be happy about. The return of the Kova crew. Our his Rain
2: right now
1: nice a reigning player of the year player um player of the year player he returned to the start of <laughs> 11 uh mostly due to the absence of kai havertz um andreas i want you to start off with this what'd you make of his return
2: i mean he had already returned he played against sheffield and he was apart from ziek who was godly in that match he was the next – the runner-up for man of the match until he got hurt in the – set, had a small knock in the 70th. But it's just nice to see him at his best, man. And I think that – I mean maybe it is just being that kind of balance too, a very offensive three because we know he's not going to put in the goals. But, yeah, he just looks good again. And maybe it was the brace for Croatia. Who knows? It's just energy – uh, relentless work rate. The dribbling is so smooth. It, it's nice to see it all again. Obviously, people are going to shoot down his his impact because he doesn't have the direct output, but the intangibles are there, and it's just so fun to see him be at his best again.
0: Yeah, I, I, it's, it's nice seeing Kovacic back. I called him the glue last season um, for our midfield, and it just... This midfield did remind me of last season. And at times, guys, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to kind of go ahead and say it. I think this is the best midfield three we have when we want to press. Um, like, I know Newcastle wasn't trying to play through the middle or out of the back. Like they, like, they weren't really trying to play much at all. But the intelligence in terms of the way those three pressed was was really impressive in the game. It's, it's almost telepathic. Y- you notice the key players... For Newcastle at times, um, or, you know, in this game, was St. Maximin, obviously, in the beginning stages, he would try to come inside to collect the ball and just kind of make things happen. And there was no avenue for him to collect anything. Because if that first line of press was broken, where Mount and Kovacic are pressing, now you got to face Ngolo Conte. And and Conte's intelligence in this game and his reading of the game was just out of this world. If, if, if you want to sit, if you're a dad and you're trying to, you know, teach your kid how to play defensive mid and how to read a game, just show him N'Golo Conte's performance against Newcastle because he wasn't pressing the whole entire time. He was actually sitting back and playing free safety, intercepting passes, picking things off. The game was in front of him. And that's exactly what you want to do when you're a defensive a defensive player um when the game's in front of you, you're in good shape. So, yeah, it it was just good to see Kovacic come back. Um I think, I still think this is our best pressing midfield. I think that against an opponent like Newcastle, it makes sense to play a guy like Kovacic because you don't want someone that's one-dimensional standing there. You want a guy that could pass, dribble, and run at defenders. Um, I can't say shoot because he won't do that unless he's wearing a Croatia jersey apparently. But <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's good to see him back. And uh big shout-out to Andres. I know you guys can't see him, but he's rocking Coba crew right now. I know he is. Yep. Uh,
1: so this inevitably this question inevitably comes up every single time. Uh, one of our midfielders has a great game. Uh, <laughs> what name name your pecking order at midfield right now? I mean, I obviously, I think right now we did talk about the potential rotation and not needing a defensive mid, but I think if 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 you just have Conte pinned down as the DM. Uh, is it just more of a rotation of Mount Kai and Kovacic, potentially Billy Gilmore for the attacking eight spots, uh, or what do you see going on uh, moving forward with our midfield and what's the, what's the pecking order, Andreas? I'll start off with you.
2: Mount, Kai, Kovacic.
1: Damn. You say Mount over eights? Mount over Kai Havertz.
2: Yeah, it's it's Mount over everyone else in the start. Hundred yeah,
1: percent it of is. <laughs> but, no, 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 oh, but but 100%. but I, but honestly, In your opinion or are you saying
2: like no, no, what? no. In, in my opinion, I think that you have it's to most... Mount Mount brings you that he is the balance between I think I think realistically it's Kai, Mount, Conte level and then it's everyone else. But if you're asking me to put a pecking order outside of Conte, who would have been my number one option in a pecking order, I'd say mount is next just because mount will give you the work the and 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 we're we're, i think we're shooting kai's ability down a bit when we say this but mount does all the the rough work and then kai does the flashy work so like that's their specialties like mount is an all-rounder contes defensive and then kai is more leaning offensive so i think then three is the perfect balance which would be my go-to three But I think Mount gets into the starting 11 over Kai, at least in midfield three, more likely than not. Because Kai can fill in roles up in the front three as well. So that's my reason to put Mount ahead of Kai, For the way this question was phrased.
0: Zach, what about you? Yeah, Mount's over Kai. Mount... Mount Mount is way more important to our midfield than Kai Havertz is. Now, that's not to say that can't change. I'm, I'm anticipating at some point that is going to change because Kai has that kind of talent to just be a, a complete game-breaker, for lack of a better word. But, yeah, I would go uh, Mount. Um, we're talking only eights, right? Well, how about, like, if we yeah. play a double pivot with a 10? If we play a double pivot, it's it's—, it's... I'll kill myself. It's Conte and Mount still. <laughs> and then Conte and Kovacic and then Jorginho nowhere and near the we never
2: that. see Conte and Mount. I, I hate when you bring this we argument saw, because we never we see saw, that in a double pivot.
0: We only saw it once. But but no, here, it was a four three three. We're not gonna be seeing we're not gonna be seeing that again.
2: But, but but we never – like we played the 4-2-3-1 and Mount was pushed out in the wing. We never saw Wait, it. Wait, are
1: you mad because you want to see it or because you think no, it would I, be I, stupid
2: I, to do I, it? I, no, no, no. I just don't think we even – there's no point in talking about it because even if August we theoretically think it's worked, we haven't. We haven't. Find me a who scored that says Mount played in a double pivot for us.
0: I'm not going to – listen, for those of you that are wondering – I actually stopped using who scored because it's too damn difficult to use the match center now since they yeah. upgraded it. So I don't trust who scored anymore.
2: <laughs> but, but, yeah, like when you see Mount deeper, it's a 4-3-3. Three, three. It, it, and, and I don't get why we never tried him in the double pivot because I agree with you. He's got those tendencies. But yeah, in, in the three midfield system – I, I don't know if I say Kai is less important because I could argue that if Kai played this weekend, we would have scored far more goals and we still wouldn't have conceded. And that's not a detriment to Kovacic or, or, or Mount's performances. It's just that Kai is still special. Like Kai, you mentioned it earlier, Kai is a p- future top five player in the world and I still think he's in the upper echelon of our, our current starters. So mm. yeah, I, I don't know if I'd say he's not as important He just, you just don't see him. When you look at Kai, you don't see this guy's gonna make the last ditch tackle for me. That's just.
0: Mm -hmm. I think at this point in the season, Mason Mount has a bigger impact on games. I think that's the right Mm -hmm. way of kind of phrasing that. We got a couple.
1: We got a couple Twitter questions. Let's run through those and then uh, finish up with the uh, our run preview. Uh, So our first one is from Ron. Shout out, to Ron, aka Bone Daddy Cool, aka Bone Daddy Deluxe, aka Bone Daddy Supreme. Oh, actually, before we get into that, Ron, I'll put you on hold uh, because uh, I, I, I jumped myself a little bit. But at the end of this match, uh, until uh, until Spurs finish, uh, I mean, sorry, beat City until that match finished off, we were sitting in first place uh for a little bit of time which was really exciting i know that's through what nine matches but right now we sit in third place on, on the table with 18 points sitting below tottenham and liverpool each with 20 points apiece now we already know that tottenham isn't going to finish the season on top that's a given that's the only given so far but you know with our recent form it, it, i've changed my mind a little bit given this wonky kind of season and the way we've been playing, like I know it's early, but I mean, I'll start off with you, Zach. How much of a chance do you give our boys to finish the season as Premier League champs?
0: We're going percentage, sure.
2: Or if you think I mean, that it's yeah. gonna happen, you can just say yes. Do you give them? Yeah, and do no, you give them no, no, a look, chance? Look, now? I, I,
0: think, I think right now at this point in the season, I think we are in the best position to win the Premier League. Yes, I, I think right now were the favorites and that's me speaking with no bias um I just I haven't I think with the injuries that Liverpool has they're gonna put good games together like they did against Leicester where they could kind of get through it and plug in the gaps but I just don't see that being sustained throughout the whole season and Andres he touched upon like that squad doesn't it hardly gets rotated like Naby Keita just went down again today so that's another injury they got to deal with Man City's in shambles I think Spurs can be an issue for us. And the only reason why is because they finally have somebody in that club that's won something before. Um, So you can never count Jose out. We all know that. Um, But, yeah, I I think we're in the best position to win the Premier League as of today, if that's what you're trying to get out of me. Ask me again in a few weeks and it might have changed. But, yeah, after nine games, we look like we're the favorites.
2: Sheesh. Andreas. I will say that if we beat Spurs, we play Spurs next weekend. Let's beat Spurs, oh and then I, I can say. But Andre, they, they have
0: Gareth Bale, man. Um, <laughs> they got Gareth Bale dude, and Hoiberg.
2: Hoiberg oh. is killing it. I'm not. Yeah, gonna yeah,
0: Hoiberg is killing it.
2: Here's my thing. Somebody posted a screenshot of that awkward first meeting of Harry Kane and Jose Mourinho, where Jose mm. Mourinho was like, "Listen, man, I'm gonna make you explode," and now I'm like shit because it's happening it's scary it's scary we can talk shit about tottenham but they're winning games and they're winning they they uh, two games ago we were dominating the gold differential charts we're tied with tottenham now to so three times
0: three times i win the premier league <laughs> oh, <and laughs> was,
2: that was that this your Mourinho? was that your i was
0: so no no, no. Andres, does andres, andres
1: does it andres andres's marino is very good
2: yeah, <laughs> we'll oh, bring dude, it up for the it's all, preview. We'll it's it almost preview. as good as
1: my Borat impression,
2: but uh I
1: won't. I won't do no, that.
2: But, but, but yeah, I'm not gonna say. I think we have a. We have to be Tottenham first before I can say something like that. I think all right. that there like 35 uh, percent chance of winning the league because it's still early days and it's so. only top what ten play ten teams are all within like four points. Mm-hmm. So as of today, I'd say like thirty-five percent chance. All Harry right. Kane
0: still hasn't gotten his two-month-long ankle injury. <laughs> Son still hasn't gotten his muscle injury yet. Like, like, like it's all gonna it's all gonna come in due time, guys.
2: Well, you don't. Isla's only played eight matches. Southampton's only played eight matches. Okay, I'm I not worried about Southampton. Be, obviously not, but you. Well listen, because if Ross the boss United, is out, then United Aston Villa is, is
0: definitely not making a title run.
2: United mm-hmm. is about to get Pochettino and that's going to be a totally different team and they're only 3 points back with a game in hand as well. They might, so yeah, they're 5
0: they might points actually back be from able us. to score a goal out, out of open play for once. Yeah, they're <laughs> yeah, 5 points maybe, back by the way. Arsenal
2: Arsenal has also not done that. So Arsenal obviously I'm not even considering them. But yeah, I think it, so Tottenham right now is a very scary team. I I I'm not ashamed to say that because that's, I mean, the numbers are there. They have one more goal, or we have one more goal, but we also have one more goal conceded. Mm-hmm. Should they lose Saun or Kane, like Zach mentioned, then yeah, it's game over because those two guys are on an absolute tear and they have some sort of psychological, not psychological, psych, Harry psychic Kane has just connection yeah. with each other. They literally sure. are about to pass, or if they not, if, or if they've already not passed. Lampard and Drogba for most combinations for goals.
0: Harry Kane is just—I mean, as much as I hate to say it out loud, he's, he's good. He's quietly <laughs> becoming like, yeah, dude, he's, he's really good. good. Of course, yeah, he's yeah. been—he's he's been that the he's last. Always couple been, seasons. He's always been—he's always been good, but 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 like what we're seeing him from this year is not only he's scoring. I mean, we're going to get into it in the Ren, when we talk about the Ren match and do the preview, but he's not only scoring goals now; like he's leading the league in assists by a long shot too. Mm -hmm. all right uh
1: i'll ask i'll 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 make a note to ask this question again next week after the match uh or maybe i won't depending on the outcome (laughs) so let's get back to ron's question so with the talk of olivier giroux possibly wanting to leave in january do we look for a striker in january or do we promote one of those kids (laughs) I mean, Andreas, I'm going to start off with you because I'm sure you have a kid in mind that uh, I we could do. promote.
2: I do, and it's not promote. It's more of a recall, and it's Armando Brogia. <laughs> yes. And this so. guy is, I believe, is still leading the test and goals. And yeah, just he's already in our books. I, I'm, I doubt they would pull him from alone to be third choice. I know. But... I mean...
0: He's too young to be recalled, I
2: think. You don't, you don't recall him, but here's what you do, in all honesty. You have Tammy, number one. Tammy and, and... Sorry, Tammy and Timo, one and two. Whichever order you want to put them, depending on who's hurt, who's not. And then you have Kai, who can fill the role as a third option. You're not going to put him there all the time, but he can be a good third option. He'll be playing mm. who? Uh, I don't know. Let me look at the table real quick. He'll be playing Burnley. Yeah, he's got the size for that. He could do it. I Yeah. Those would be my three strikers. I say, let Giroud go. He deserves to go to a good place and earn keep his place for the Euros. And we have what it takes to fill in those three spots. If anything, like I said, we need to have a maybe recall Ampadu to, to bring in some beef for the DM spot, but that's it. Mm-hmm. But Armando yeah, the- Broja is my third striker for next season. Nine nine appearances in
0: their every four goals, five starts. So, I mean, he, he has a very – he has a better goal uh, to minutes ratio than Tammy Abraham does in the Premier League right now, if that's how you want to look at it. Except yeah. he's playing in the Netherlands, and this is his first season playing big boy football. I, I remember when he appeared for us – was it last year where he made like – yeah, it was last season where he made a quick cameo before the shutdown. And he made one run into the channel, and I was like, whoa, this kid's pretty good. And all he mm-hmm. did was run into the channel. But the way he spun into it, I was just kind of like, okay. Like, he definitely has something about him.
2: Tied yeah. for six most goals in the league. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think... I, th- I I think Giroud's on the move, though. Just to go back to gone. the question. Yeah, he's it, gone. Yeah.
1: He is gone. Especially after his performance this past week. Like, you, you know he still has it in him to perform. Like, yeah. that beautiful forehead of his needs to be put in work. <laughs> um, But... Yeah, I mean, I thought uh, if, as like a as a fan of Chelsea and of Olivier Giroud, like I want him to go, only for his own benefit, you know. He doesn't. Like,
0: he doesn't have just a beautiful forehead, according to my fiance. What do you mean? What, what has she seen that we haven't? She likes everything about him, like every other.
1: Oh, I like that too. No, don't worry. I, I, <laughs> the forehead's just my favorite part. I mean, it's, maybe it's my second favorite part, and we'll it's, we'll talk about the number one off-air. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, let's 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 go on to the next question. This one's also from At uh, M. Conan. Uh, he asked, we actually kind of talked about this a little bit, is Tottenham actually good, or is City maybe not as good as we all thought they'd be? Oh. I mean, because before the match, I was listening to uh, Ian Wright talking about, I think he was asked, which team would you rather manage between yeah. Tottenham or City? And he picked no, Tottenham. it was uh,
0: – I think it was Musto, Robbie Musto.
1: Oh, was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I forget who it was. But uh, he said that – and, you know, his answer was kind of wrong. He said because of what Mourinho's doing. But the question was, like, which team would you rather manage? But I was a little shocked because I'm – and you look at paper, I think City is by far the better team. But – uh, when you also just look at what they've been doing this year right now, they're sitting 13th with a game in hand, but still like they're just underperforming in minus one goal differential. They've only scored 11 goals this season. Um, I'll start off with you, Zach. Where, what, what do you think about this Man City team?
0: I don't think they're very good um, in general, but with that being said, they can flip a switch, man. They haven't had Aguero all season. Um, he did. He hasn't, and when he has come back, he hasn't looked fit. Um, Sterling really hasn't gotten off the mark this season. Riyad, if anybody watched the Tottenham Man City game, that was one of the worst performances from Riyad Mahrez that I have ever seen. Um, they just, they, they look pretty discombobulated. I think Pep is finding it very hard in a Premier League to sort of recreate the same sort of success that guys like Sir Alex did, or even Arsene Wenger in his early reign, where you can sort of build a title winning team, win trophies, and then rebuild using some of the pieces from that other title winning team, but make that transition seamless. And Pep is just really struggling with that. I think I, but, but, but to his credit, I do think the way football is now, the amount of money that's put into it and the amount of, player transfer activity that there is, the sport just moves way too fast for you to build something and sustain it for 15 or 20 years. I just think, we're, I, I think the world of football is, is sort of in this phase now where it's, you bring in a manager, you build your team up for four or five years, tops, and they either stay too long or they leave before it all burns down. It's, it, it's one of those things, but... Yeah, no, I I don't think City are very good, but that but that isn't to say that they're not gonna you know turn it around. They could still put seven past anybody.
1: All right, Andreas, what about you?
2: Once City's main back line gets hurt, it's game over, and they don't have Fernandinho, they don't have Benjamin Mendy, and they signed Ake, he's hurt, so Laporta is is basically the only guy putting in the work. I don't think Ruben Diaz has been as good as. Uh, Pep thought he would be for the price he paid. It looks a little lightweight, and we saw this last season too when Laporta was the one that got hurt. The title went straight to Liverpool's hands. Obviously, this season there's been a lot more chaos, and City's not the only one that's seen the effects of injuries. But yeah, if if there's defense, because again, City likes to play out the back. They they're it's a Pep team. They're going to start possession from the back, and if that back line isn't solid then those guys that can get you the six goals Zach is talking about don't get the goals. Uh, so, yeah, I think that that playing a pep style, like you said, some on paper, City should be the better team. But playing a pep style is far more complex than playing a Mourinho style. So the Tottenham players playing the Mourinho style as a unit are better than the broken pep squad trying to play pep football. And that's why I think it's a mix of both. I think Pep, I think Tottenham is good right now under Mourinho, and I think that Pep's team just looks bad right now, um, and it's not. And, yeah, they're underperforming.
1: I always love when we talk about City and Pep because you, you just don't hesitate to take shots at him. I mean, you're just like a notorious Pep hater, and I love it. You're not a believer.
2: I, I think that if everybody had the same bank account, he wouldn't be as good.
1: <laughs> um,
0: All right, let's uh let's move on. Could, yeah, does that is that a little bit of is are you saying that on behalf of your dad's saltiness that they couldn't win the Champions League while Pep was there at Bayern, uh, or? Pep <laughs> hasn't won
2: any? I have a feeling there's a little bit of that Messi. in there. No, it's just Pep hasn't. Pep had Lionel Messi. Yeah, you know him? yeah. He he only had the continental success when Lionel Messi was in his team. That's, That's when he cool. won his two Champions League trophies. And he hasn't been anywhere near one since.
0: Yeah. What does he have? Like two Champions League trophies and both of them
1: with Messi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on uh, to the, this Ren preview. So we'll be playing uh, midweek away in France. Uh, just a refresher. We've won. We won our first matchup with them three nil. Um, this was the match in which Pulisic pulled his hammy warm ups. Um, so, so, and right now we're sitting first in our group. Both Sevilla and us are sitting with seven points apiece. Uh, We're up with goal differential. Um, But let's talk about lineup predictions real quick. Uh, How we lined up last time, Uh, we lined up with a 4-3-3, Mendy and goal. Mm. Uh, Reese James, Kurt Zuma, Thiago Silva, and Chilwell at the back line. Conte, Jorginho, Mount, in midfield. Ziek. Tammy and Werner up top. So um, pretty familiar uh, lineup. So do you think we'll do something similar to that? Maybe we'll be seeing a Pulisic appearance, maybe Kai Havertz. Uh, Zach, what do you think?
0: Um, I don't want to see either of them start. I, I I don't even want to see Pulisic play in this game, if I'm going to be honest. I, I, I just want to be careful with him. I think Kai Havertz comes off the bench at some point. I think the starting lineup we see is similar to how we did line up last time. I think Jorginho is going to come in because I think he's useful in these European matches. Um, we're going to see N'Golo Kante. Um, I, yeah, I'd probably say it's the same exact lineup that we lined up with last time. I think that the only difference could be that we get an Ali Giroud sighting in place for uh, Tammy Abraham up top. I think Werner's still going to start up top at on the left just because he's our best attacker at the moment. Um, and Ziyech is Mr. Champions League, so you got to play him there. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think we could see Ali Giroud and I think Jorginho starts. Those are my two kind of hot takes, if you will.
2: I I have a different perspective. I think that we'll see Aspie. I mm-hmm. think that we – Reese James probably will get a break. Uh, or maybe it'll be chill. Actually, no. Chilwell What about Aspie?
0: Uh, Aspie will definitely get in.
2: The way the way I see it, Aspie's going to start on the left and finish the game on the right, meaning that both Chilwell and Reese James will not play 90 minutes. I don't think Chilwell even sees the pitch. I think Thiago, Thiago Silva will start. I think he has to get minutes before Tottenham. I think Conte, I think the midfield is going to be the same one as last time, like you mentioned, Jorginho, Conte, Mount, but I think Kante is the first one off for Kovacic to keep Kante fresh. Can't even talk. I don't know. I'd like to see Giroud. I think that'd be great. Uh, I, I like the idea of giving one of the forwards a slight break. But if anyone needed a break, it was Timo. So I'd say maybe you see Cho instead of Timo rather than Giroud in front of Tammy.
1: How many weeks in a row have we have we made that suggestion and not seen it? <laughs> I,
2: right, but <laughs> we'll say but, it every week though. Look, I'm gonna keep saying it because this weekend we play Spurs and I'd rather have a rested Timo for Spurs than like a Timo just chasing after penalties again. Like you know what I mean? Like I hope Absolutely we, we're we are I'm top with of you. The group. And and we just played bad that first half against Wren. Like we could have beat these guys without the pens. I I don't know what really happened there. So maybe maybe Frank watched how good Cho played in the international break. I mean I'm sure the English media is going to remind him of it. So who knows?
1: All right, let's yeah. get into let's get into score predictions. Zach, what do you think?
0: Um. You know, I gotta give credit to Ren. Even though they went down to ten men last time, they did play pretty well with ten men. Um, so they're, you know, they have quality there. Um, I'm gonna go two one Chelsea. I nah,
2: think.
0: Dude. I, I think two one Chelsea. I, th- I I think Ziyech I think Ziyech still gets. Uh, gets another Champions League goal for us. This is time to shine, man. Watching Ziyech in the Champions League is like one of my favorite things.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say that we're going to win 3 nothing. Uh, nice. Ren, Ren hasn't won a match in the last three. They lost to us. They lost to PSG. And most recently, they lost to Bordeaux, who is in 12th in on, which is five spots below Ren. Which is so like me...
0: being in a championship in England.
2: Right. So yeah. for me... I think that we should handle this game just fine. Uh, Ren is playing without Daniel Rugani. Uh, I don't think Kavaminga is back yet. Maybe we'll see him this time around, but I don't think he'll make enough of a difference. I think we should win this match 3-0. Mr. Uh,
1: Superstition Andreas, it's been a while since our last preview, but if I recall, uh, every time I've been calling a draw, we've been winning, right? Yes. Okay, so my prediction, official, is we're going to end up drawing 3-3, okay? Mendy's going to let a couple slip. There's going to be an error. It's going to be a 3-3 draw. And we've been undefeated since I've been doing that, so let's keep it up.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that basically means. Guaranteed dub. You're welcome. Guaranteed dub. Let's go. Okay, well, I mean, that does kind of bring us to the end of this episode. Um, For those of you that are listening, we appreciate you making it all the way to the end. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Romans Empire pod and Instagram and Instagram at Romans Empire pod. Be sure to look out for uh, not only um, our episode this time next week, but our episode uh, midweek as well. We are going to be recording after the Ren match where we'll be kind of giving our review of the result as well as uh, the preview and tons and tons and tons of shit talking about Spurs. Which is again like one of my one of the best things to do uh, for me personally. Christmas. It gives me a lot of self It's one of the reasons why we started it. this podcast in the first place. yeah, the <laughs> hatred for Spurs, so um yeah, if that didn't convince you to listen to us, um, I don't know what will. so until next time, keep the blue flag flying high.